episode 35 of That Gives Me Anxiety. I have to start by getting something off my chest. I noticed some news stories coming out this week about Tucker Carlson and Margie T- Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I don't really want to get political on this podcast, but I, I just saw how they were basically shitting in, on SSRIs like Prozac and other anxiety and depression medication and kind of villainizing them and making and causing them or, or, or and blaming them for mass shootings that we'd seen here in the United States and it's just ah man it's so frustrating and enraging I mean it's already people are already nervous to, to reach out for medication that can truly be helpful for them you know it's not for everybody but it's certainly been helpful for me and and there really isn't much harm in trying, especially if it's prescribed by a doctor, right? It's not like a decision you're making by yourself. And to villainize these drugs is is just downright wrong. Instead of just having a much harder conversation about the gun problem in the U.S. Oh, man, yeah, that uh, certainly got me a little angry. On a lighter note, finally able to get a chiropractor appointment today oof man my back has been hurting for like a month i mean we've just been moving things around the house here and you know i guess if you don't really have a chance to rest it things can things just keep getting worse but yeah getting an adjustment just hearing like your full back crack <laughs> it did the crazy thing is it's pretty like instant relief too but yeah it's been it was hard to get an appointment Anyway, enough about me. I've got a wonderful episode lined up. I interviewed Alexandra Reynolds, who has OCD and is an OCD advocate. And we had a great conversation about how OCD manifests and and how OCD is talked about in society and, and, and how we talk about it is different than what OCD actually is, right? It's, it's sort of an often used term. So yeah, I think there's a lot to learn and surprising to, to hear all the, the different ways that OCD can manifest. And so after listening, it might be something you want to discuss with your doctor. If something is like, hey, that sounds like me. <laughs> I mean, hearing stories like that helped me to start taking my mental health more seriously. So yeah, before we start hanging out with Alexandra, I just want to remind you that if you're liking the show, to please remember to rate and review it on whatever platform you're listening. You can check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or YouTube. There's also the Buy Me a Coffee link, where if you're liking the show and you want to make a donation of any size, that'd be greatly appreciated. Feel free to do that, and and that's in the description wherever you're listening. Okay, school announcement's over. Let's make our way to Alexandra and talk about CD. As always, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Joining me now on the podcast, I have OCD advocate, Alexandra Reynolds. Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Of course. Yeah, this has been a, a bit of a long time coming. I don't know if you remember how we initially co- connected, do you? Oh my, yes, I do. I was just thinking about that earlier today um, <laughs> while I was taking the dog out. I was like, he's totally going to bring this up on the podcast yeah. and it's going to make me look so mean. I don't think I, it, it definitely shouldn't. I not at all. I, I don't take it as, as that. But basically, I had a post up about putting Monica Geller in the Anxiety Hall of Fame. It's a segment I do every once in a while. 
and you had reached out and and I'll let you I'll let you use your own words in case I mess it up. I because I had put her down for being obsessive compulsive about cleaning, and then you corrected the post. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I can't remember what the exact post, but it was basically equating obsessive compulsive disorder with cleaning and mm-hmm. having a love of cleaning. And mm-hmm. so I I DM'd you and I said something to the effect of, hey, OCD is not really just about cleaning. That's a stereotype. I just wanted to let you know. And so I kind of gently called you in and we actually ended up having a really nice conversation about it. And yeah. that's when you invited me to be on the podcast. But I always feel so, uh, so guilty doing that to people, especially, you know, people who are just trying to make a joke because there is such a misunderstanding about OCD. And so it kind of feels bad, like being that person that goes, Hey, that's not right. Yeah. Well, not at all. I mean, I I certainly want to be educated in, in this sense. And I mean, the joke still works if you're just like, she's super anxious about, cleaning right it, it just putting a different label on it and and then remembering that OCD is not something that people want to do it's something that I, I don't want to use the wrong terminology but something that is just in their brains and they feel I don't know I, I I'm, I'm nervous about messing it up uh, oh no it's okay so it's something that we feel compelled to compelled do, right? to do. that's it's the not, word I was searching for yeah it's not something we enjoy doing or right. necessarily want to do it's something that we feel compelled to do because of extreme distress. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saving me there. I was <laughs> struggling to, to find the words. So you have OCD yourself. Mm-hmm. How does that manifest? Oh gosh. OCD is one of those disorders. I feel like where it feels like it can have infinite manifestations mm-hmm. because it can center around anything in a person's life that they value or that they care about very deeply. But the manifestation of the disorder itself is actually fairly straightforward. Usually you have obsessions is what we call them. And they're intrusive thoughts, intrusive thoughts that are unwanted, they're repetitive, and we kind of, we call them sticky. So that just means they get stuck in the brain and they're, they don't go away. They're hard to get rid of. So they're replaying over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be of a taboo or distressing or kind of fearful nature. And they cause so much anxiety or disgust or distress that they compel the sufferer to do compulsions. And so a compulsion can be physical, which is what we're used to seeing, like your Monica Geller post about cleaning. So people think of it as that stereotype hand-washing, cleaning, hoarding, cleaning supplies. But of course, it's so much more than that. A ritual or compulsion can be absolutely anything. It can be all mental. So you can't see the person doing it. They're just maybe ruminating on a topic that frightens them. Or maybe they're reviewing something in the past, like a past event and thinking about how, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad person for saying this or doing this, right? It can also be something physical in the sense of, I'm trying to think of another good physical one that I do, give you a real world example. So another good physical one would be tapping. 
Tapping is one that people don't think of as being OCD, right? And so it's, if I touch this surface, then I have to touch this other surface to cancel it out. Mm-hmm. So it can really latch on to absolutely anything. People struggle with reading, with singing, with anything that they care about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has always felt like there's a, the, a broad spectrum. I want to talk about the, the mental aspect, but before just listening to you talk about, like, if you touch one surface, you have to touch another one. When I was a kid, if my fingers would touch in any way, I would have to go through this pattern of this, right? Just each one to like everything needed to be leveled out. Or if my foot stepped slightly on the heel, I would have to even it out to the left side. And so it, that feels like what you're describing. It's just something I've, I grew out of all over time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when we're kids, we're more prone to what they call magical thinking. So magical thinking would be like, if I touch this, I have to touch this because if not some strange bad thing will happen or (laughs) it just doesn't feel right. And uh, so OCD sufferers can have that magical thinking component to their OCD where something just has to feel correct Mm -hmm. or it has to be done a certain way because if not, there's some consequence that might happen, Mm -hmm. whether it's a a logical consequence or not, it doesn't matter with OCD because OCD doesn't, it doesn't abide by logic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, talking about the mental aspect, I guess I I never realized that that was a part of it. I I definitely, I think a lot of us can sympathize with the aspect of getting stuck and trapped in a loop of thoughts and one point or another. And and so it could be absolutely horrifying at, at times, especially if you're reliving your worst day or or worst moment, you know, when you're not yourself, what can you do to sort of break out of that? Is there anything? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, just to go on that mental part, so there's a, an OCD that we call pure O and it's kind of a, we we're trying to move away a little bit from that term because it can be a little confusing, but Mm -hmm. it's still widely used in the community and it's not an actual diagnosis, but it just means that the person does not have any compulsions that you can see they're Mm -hmm. all mental Mm -hmm. and so it's been something that has had a lot of awareness raised around it because there are a lot of people who don't realize they have OCD because they're not washing their hands because they're not doing physical rituals they're not doing any of that stereotype behavior and so mental health professionals miss it because it's all in here Mm -hmm. as far as the treatment The gold standard treatment for OCD is what's called exposure and response prevention therapy. And sometimes if the person wants it or needs it, then medication can be added onto that, which can also be helpful. I take medication myself, but I say it's a personal choice Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's not for everyone. The, The one piece that you absolutely have to have is that exposure and response prevention. And so it sounds kind of scary, I think, to sufferers at first. I know it did to me, but basically you're going to be exposed in a safe environment with a safe person, a specialist, somebody who specializes in anxiety and OCD, and you're going to confront your fears and then learn the tools to confront your fears on your own in your day-to-day life. But it's not just exposing yourself. It's actually preventing your rituals as well. So you have to have that response prevention piece. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, it's very interesting. I've interviewed a bunch of therapists that work on uh, exposure therapy, and, and they talk about the importance of not just white knuckling the example of a bridge, right? Not just like white knuckling your way over a bridge, you have to kind of stay in the moment until you can breathe a little bit. And so it's like similar in that sense, in that you are preventing your normal routine of, of whatever it is, so that you're learning next time. Okay, this, if this happens, I, I have this in my tool belt. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, it's they're very similar, right? I know my therapist uses exposure therapy with a lot of specific phobias mm-hmm. and other types of anxiety dis- disorders. And ERP, exposure response prevention, is for OCD. And so the cool thing about, I think, ERP is that you're learning to tolerate distress in real time as you're doing your exposure. And as you learn to tolerate that anxiety and distress, you develop a new relationship with it. You develop kind of a mindset more of acceptance. And with OCD, sometimes we don't really ever habituate completely to the things that maybe trigger us. We can, Mm -hmm. but we don't always. But when you've developed that new relationship, you learn to move forward in your life without getting stuck on these triggers while tolerating the distress, the uncertainty of, oh my gosh, something bad might happen in a way that feels natural and much less distressing. So you may always have a little bit of anxiety, but you've learned to tolerate it. Hmm. Right. I, I guess we're, we're good at sort of just this is what it is, right? This is, right? Like uh, my fiance always laughs at me. Like if the seat in the car isn't set up properly, I'll just sit there and suffer through it and be like, well, this is what I get. But it's, you know, obviously this is a much more extreme example. We tend to like not help ourselves sometimes, right? And it, it's like, there's certainly ways to help. So why not? Yeah, I think it, it becomes easy. I know for me, I did not receive proper treatment until my 30s. And it becomes a way of life to white knuckle your way through absolutely everything. I knew that I was extremely anxious. I mean, there's no way not to know because I felt it and people pointed it out all the time. You look so nervous. Why are you always so afraid of everything? Like what's going on with you? And it's like, well, I don't know, really. I know I have like this (laughs) thing, but... I don't really know how to go about getting help, right? Getting treatment and what Mm -hmm. the proper treatment is. And so I just became accustomed to being okay with white knuckling my way through every single thing in life. And the more you do that, the smaller your world becomes with OCD because it will start to make everything scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And so that's, I think like, that's the really hard part. But once you learn to tolerate instead of like you said, white knuckling and actually welcome that anxiety in, which sounds weird, but it works when you learn to accept uncomfortable feelings without trying to push them away, they actually become much easier to move through. Mm -hmm. And it gives you the emotional and mental space to move forward towards something that you value, which is another huge piece of treatment. And that comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is often used in conjunction with ERP and something that I personally have found extremely helpful. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's, it's so funny that, well, funny is probably the wrong word, but yeah, I like have had anxiety and depression. I feel like my whole life and not until my thirties, I think, I think moving in with my now fiance and then like having someone around being like, you're anxious a lot of the time. And like having that mirror held up to me was like, Oh, maybe wait, you don't do this too. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wish I had uh, sought treatment and understanding earlier because yeah, I mean, looking back at my life, there was so much just trying to get by and, and just like quietly, like suffering under the surface of the water. And that does not have to be the case. So anyone that's listening to this, that this is like sparking a thought there's you know your treatment will probably look different than alexandra's or mine but do something to help yourself for sure yeah absolutely i get a lot of questions you know about people wondering if maybe they have anxiety or ocd or what do i think about this particular situation and you know should they seek help and my blanket answer to that right in response to what you're saying is if something in your life is causing enough distress for you to be questioning it, and it's something that has changed, or you're noticing that is causing you distress and is interfering with your life, don't hesitate mm-hmm. if you're able to, to reach out for help. No one has to hit rock bottom in order to see a therapist. You don't even have to have anxiety or depression to benefit from seeing a safe, neutral third party who can help you reach your goals in life. There should be no shame, no stigma. And that's part of why I advocate is because stigma kept me from getting help for so long. And I don't want anyone else, whether you have OCD or not, to feel that way. Right. I mean, if you had a loose tooth, you'd go to the dentist, right? I mean... Exactly. Your mind is, I mean, I'm not trying to rank body parts here, but your mind is pretty important (laughs) too, right? You might as well get yourself some help. (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly. And I mean, I think therapy is cool. I think therapy is super cool. When I was young, I was raised with the idea that therapy was super uncool and that therapists were people who interfered with family Mm-hmm. And that they were kind of meddlers. And I think that might come from my culture that I was raised in. I'm Latina. Mm-hmm. But I think therapy is a super cool thing to do. And I'm not just saying that because I go to therapy all the time. I'm saying that because it actually does help you when you find the right therapist and you find the right help, improve yourself and grow as a person. I mean, mm-hmm. Two years ago at the beginning of this pandemic, I could barely even leave my house. Because I was so in fear, my OCD was so strong that I had become agoraphobic. And I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm making plans with people. I'm leaving my house more often. I'm enjoying life. I'm becoming the wife and mother that I I wanted to be. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, you're getting your life back. I mean, and but that's not even being dramatic. That's, you know, right. Like you're able to enjoy yourself and be who you want it to be. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Exactly. Therapy can be absolutely life-saving, you know? Yeah. And yes, it's given me literally my life back in a way that I did not know was possible. In fact, I would go as far as to say, not only has it given me the life I kind of wanted back, but it's given me even more because the tools I've learned in therapy have made me resilient 
And I can apply them to not just OCD, but all areas of my life. Oh man, I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, it's so beautiful to be able to hear. And, and I mean, people can't see you right now, but you're beaming as you're describing this. So that's, (laughs) that's great. I mean, that's showing how much this has been helpful for you. So let me get this straight. In today's day and age, you're supposed to be drinking a ton of water, doing yoga, making sure you and your whole family is happy. Strike a good work-life balance, exercise, read books, watch movies, eat healthy meals, be a big part of your community, and get eight hours of sleep. (laughs) It's unrealistic. It's too much. Well, that's why there's Instacart to take a little bit off your plate or help put a little bit on your plate. Ah, I'm so sorry. Using Instacart, you search for all your favorite foods and, and items that you need from the grocery store, fresh produce, all your favorites, everything you want, and they deliver it to you. They go to the store and do your shopping for you. Just remove it from your to-do list, just with a few clicks, and you'll have your items delivered to your door in as fast as an hour. It's pretty quick. And through the link in the episode description, they're offering free delivery on your first order over $35. But you gotta make sure you click the link in the description. That tells Instacart that this show sent you and it helps support the show. And you can also take advantage of the free delivery. So yeah, be nice to yourself. Give Instacart a shot. So there are a lot of misconceptions out there, right, about OCD. We kind of corrected one earlier about cleaning. I'm I'm wondering if there are others that are out there or if that's too broad of a question, maybe what's the most important thing for a person who doesn't know much about OCD to know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's too broad. There's a lot of sort of, I think, stereotyped things that people think about when they think of OCD. Cleaning definitely comes to mind a lot. You'll see organization is another one. So people tend to think that those with OCD are extremely clean and extremely organized. I know that there was one of the Kardashians, I think, had, Mm -hmm. you know, a post up somewhere on social media about her pantry and how it was so OCD because it was completely organized. I've seen people I know using OCD as an adjective in Mm -hmm. real life, as well as online saying, oh my gosh, my pens, they're all color coded and lined up the right way. Or my closet is so neat and organized and color coded. It's so OCD. That's my OCD. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the more we use OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder as an adjective to describe something that is something enjoyable and honestly completely normal yeah the more we add stigma and shame to those who suffer with OCD because it keeps people like me from getting help whether it's because we don't realize we have OCD or maybe we're embarrassed I was embarrassed to have the cleaning disorder Mm. because that's all I knew about it yeah I see a lot of kind of stereotypes around treatment. A lot of people who say things like, well, it should be mind over matter, or you should just be able to worry less, or you should be able to just be less afraid. Fortunately, (laughs) it's not that simple, right? Or we would have done it. Right. Um, Oh, why didn't I? Oh, be less anxious. Thank you. (laughs) People tend to think that we can just kind of rationalize through our fears. That's when I get a lot like, well, that's just totally irrational. How could you think that that would never happen? But 
with sticky thoughts intrusive thoughts that we're not asking for that are replaying our absolute worst fears or catastrophic outcomes in our minds 24 7 logic and rationality have no place there because mm -hmm. the longer you sort of have those thoughts playing in your head and you're giving them importance the more real that fear becomes absolutely yeah oh man I'm curious, I, I kind of want to unpack the someone who posts something organized. It, it, it's almost like this notion that if you post a nice picture of yourself or you do, I mean, being organized is, is a great thing, right? So they post it. It's like you have to kind of take a shot at yourself, right? I, I think that's where the OCD, uh, here's my OCD, as opposed to just being like, look how fucking organized I am. Where it's just like, yeah, look how organized you are. You know what I, I don't know that's if I'm communicating this effectively. Yeah, no, that's an interesting take on it. I think that it is kind of human nature in a sense to want to, it's not like taking a shot, but you kind of want to reserve some humility or maybe mm -hmm. you kind of think like, oh, this might be silly that I'm posting it, but haha, I'm proud of it. So let me just throw it out there with a disclaimer right. you know, that it's quirky and I get it. I yeah. get it. I do because I used to do that a lot too. And I still do sometimes. And I'm here to say that we do not need to use disorders as adjectives to justify why we're posting something. We should own it. If you're proud of your pantry, own it. If you're proud of your books that you put on your bookcase in perfect alphabetical order and color coded, own it. Mm -hmm. You know, There's you, nothing wrong with that, right? Like people. Yeah. People, I mean, people watch Wes Anderson movies just to see like perfect symmetry and organization, right? It's just, it's just nice, right? You just did, you did a good job. <laughs> it's very pleasing to look at. And I think yeah. that that's cool. I mean, my pantry's organized, but it stayed disorganized for a really long time. And it was disorganized because I was so deep in my OCD mm -hmm. that I was depressed and I couldn't mm. do anything that I normally do. I'm sorry you know, no, it's, you know what? Thank you. And it's okay because that is part of it. And I think it's important for people to understand that mental illness is serious, right? And it's mm -hmm. fun to talk about all these quirky stereotypes and things, but when it comes down to it, OCD is a debilitating disorder and it can really take over your life. And when you're deep in the middle of it and you're so depressed that you can only do the basics, especially as a parent, that's hard, right? And so your laundry is unfolded. It's all over the floor. You know, your pantry is disorganized. The kitchen is a mess. The bathroom is dirty. And people are making jokes about how they're so OCD because they've got everything perfectly clean and organized. It's, it's hurtful. Right. It's hurtful. Well, and I imagine on top of the physical tasks not being done, I'm sure these things have a, a tendency to build where it's just like, okay, I haven't done this. So that means I'm a bad wife and I'm a bad person and I'm a bad mom. And then I'm never going to be who I thought, right? It just, it tends to stack up, unfortunately, and make and, and compound issues like that. Absolutely. So it's almost like you're kind of triggering yourself because you've gotten mm -hmm. to a point where you're, you're you're so fearful, you're so anxious about everything. And so you're spending all this extra time on rituals, be it mental or physical. And there's just no, there's no respite from mm -hmm. it. And so you're trying to handle everything that you normally would, plus all the time that you have spent 
ruminating, compulsing, and everything else just kind of gets left by the wayside. And then you realize that you're stuck in this cycle, but you don't know how to get yourself out. And so you start ruminating on the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. What Mm -hmm. does it say about me that I can't do what everyone else seems to be doing? And so then you get the depression, which is a very common comorbidity with OCD. And yeah, just the worst. Oh, God. Look who we got here. It's our friends at My Software Tutor. Can Excel be my friend? Many people have wondered this for years. The answer is yes, it can. Excel doesn't have to be like the friend that your mom makes you hang out with in elementary school. It's weird. Always stuff with boogers, right? What's wrong? What's up? Why is that kid always eating boogers? Their house always had the best snacks, too. And there he is. Boogers. Well, Excel doesn't have to be like that weird kid. Unless you were that weird kid. Were you? Be honest. You know. I'm not actually asking. I can't hear your response, but you know. And it's okay if you were. You know, just take it easy with the boogers. <laughs> just talking about boogers to our good ad read. Uh, don't worry. This is They didn't write this that part. That was a, an improvisation. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. They deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly and supportive environment. It can be daunting, right? You, you need that supporting environment to learn Excel. There's no stupid questions. It could be a really difficult, and as we know when we talk about it on this podcast all the time, it could be really daunting to learn something new and put yourself out there. So think of this as like a... A kindergarten for learning something new and and helping your job prospects. Or be better at the job you already have. Get that raise. Get that whatever. Take pictures of it for Instagram. Yeah, that'll be cool. (laughs) Keeping it as vague as possible so that you can input your own. Just just making a mad lib of, of your own desires. These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at MySoftwareTutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Thank you so much to MySoftwareTutor. Yeah, guys, take advantage of that 20% off and confidently list Excel on your resume. Well, I, I'd love to ask you about your, your advocacy work. How, how, how does that how does that look? How, how do you uh, take that on? Oh my gosh. Advocacy is one of my favorite topics <laughs> <laughs> because the cool thing about advocacy is I, I think anyone can do it. Right. And the mm-hmm. OCD community to me is so special. It's such a, a beautiful, kind, welcoming and close knit community. And there are so many different ways that you can advocate. For example, you know, I got my start just putting up a little page on Instagram and posting whatever came to my mind. And it, I started to like it and I started to meet people and I really enjoyed having community with people who think like me mm-hmm. and where I could make jokes about my OCD and they got it. And then I started volunteering with the International OCD Foundation. So they're kind of like a big OCD nonprofit and they have their arms in a lot of stuff like research and visibility, awareness. And it just kind of went from there. I think one of my favorite things that I'm doing right now is trying to bring more awareness into the Latinx community. 
Mm -hmm. and doing work around culture and how our culture plays into our mental health and OCD. I think it's such a great topic and it's not just limited to the Latinx, but all of us, we all have culture and we all have kind of intersecting identities that are beautiful and unique in their own special ways. And how, how do those inform our values, which OCD tends to latch onto? Absolutely. And how do we use that in treatment? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was raised, uh, I'm Irish American and uh, raised kind of to pretend like I've never had an emotion in my life. And <laughs> you just stuff it down and uh, pour some Guinness on top of it. And, and there you go. But yes, yeah, trying to break that as well. So that's great. I mean, I think our generation is, it's, it's nice. I mean, like we're kind of changing that, right? But it's kind of nice already the world that we're creating where it's like we're having these conversations and we don't have to live by the constraints that are, I feel bad for our parents and, and generations before that who just had to handle these things in silence and, and just kind of brush it off. So I'm glad that the world is changing in that regard. I, I agree. And I think it's one of the reasons, especially right now with everything going on, that I love participating in the mental health community. And while some people may feel that it's a heavy topic, I feel like it's a beautiful, hopeful, very uplifting and vibrant community because I see people just like you breaking these cycles, being the first one to get therapy, you know, or maybe being the first one to stay in therapy or being the first one to break like gender norms. And it's just such an amazing thing to see everybody slowly breaking these chains and working together to build a more compassionate, beautiful society. And I just, I adore that, mm -hmm. you know, we should be free to express our feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember I started taking Prozac in this winter and I was like so nervous to like talk about it or, or think about it and just kind of wanted to keep it on myself. I, I still haven't like told a lot of family members, but they don't listen to the podcast. I don't think so. It's okay. Um, but hearing someone I perform at an improv theater here in Charleston in South Carolina and some, another performer mentioned how she was on it. And it was just like, so nice to like hear how she spoke about it and then like pull her aside and be like, I have all these questions it just, there's such a, a power in, in hearing each other's stories. And then now we can, now we laugh about the onboarding of Prozac and, and what it does. And so it's nice. It really is to, to be able to reach out to people and, and, and to talk about what you're going through, because going through it in silence, you just begin to invent fears, right? Like your, mm -hmm. our minds are incredibly imaginative in that sense. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a power in breaking that silence and sharing. And I think that OCD and anxiety in general, I think are such isolating things to go through depression too. You know, it's so isolating when you feel like you're the only one who has these struggles and you feel like you're the only one who, who has to kind of bear grin and bear it through life. And you see everybody else who seems to kind of move so easily through everything. Mm -hmm. And you're stuck with all these fears and all this shame and guilt and OCD and other mental illnesses. I think they just tend to grab onto that isolation and, and grow there. Mm -hmm. And so when we are able to break out of that, and even if it's just within our, our social circle, it doesn't have to be online. It doesn't have to be on a podcast, but just when we can 
change that narrative a little bit, even if it's just for ourselves, it, it gives us so much more freedom to move through life in the way that we want to. And I think that's the, the other incredible piece about advocacy is that it has made me better in my recovery because I get to learn from everybody else in the community as I'm also helping others which is gratifying. It's fulfilling one of my values, which is community and connection. And I stay accountable. And that's the cool part about being open is that we can learn from each other and we can hold each other accountable and we're there to support each other. Beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, do you wish you were a thoughtful card person, but don't have the time or energy? Right? You want to be that person that has a hobby, full-time job, crushing it in the job, has kids, has a family, has a dog, whatever it is, and still, right, sends that message, sends a card, handwritten, something that makes you laugh and cry. How does that person do it? I don't know. But maybe it's Cardist. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Cardist. (laughs) The Cardist Studio is your personal assistant. That's how you get it done, right? Somebody helps you out with it. That's okay. The end result is still the end result. You're thinking, oh, should I send them a card? That's it. From there, you just jump onto thecardiststudio.com and tell them exactly what just popped in your head. Your thoughtfulness. The Cardist Studio will get your personalized message handwritten into the card and in the mail for you. You're busy. You're doing a lot of other things. You know, it's not like they're going to tell on you. And the person's going to be thrilled. I've gotten one of these and it filled my heart with joy. Even better, it's fast, it's custom, and it's a total life changer. Hey, you're a thoughtful card person now. Look at you. New achievement unlocked. Just go to thecardiststudio.com and you can even use the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 10% off all orders. Well, is there anything you think that is important related to OCD that we haven't sort of touched on? I know this is just sort of like an introduction to OCD kind of <laughs> podcast. OCD 101. Yes, exactly. To come back for 201. Uh, next semester. But yeah, anything about OCD or your advocacy work or or anything you'd like to mention? Oh my goodness. That's such a big question. So let's think. I mean, there's so many important things about OCD, I think, and mental illness in general and trying to raise awareness and bring visibility to it. I think that if I could pick one or two things, I would say one I think as people become more comfortable talking about things like depression and anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder or schizophrenia or whatever it is, it's so important for those who maybe are not sufferers to try to step outside of what you know and or what you think you know and what you've heard and really appreciate the person who is speaking to you, be it through a screen or in front of you and listen to their experiences and create space for it and try to understand the bravery that it takes to talk about these things and open up and appreciate that for what it is rather than passing judgment. You know, I think that it's easy for us to judge things that are outside of our frame of reference it's easy for us to maybe dismiss them or to try to fix it by dispensing advice that we would give to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry as much or yeah. <laughs> just be happy. Like, just try to be happier. And while the sentiment is beautiful and it's wonderful because it comes from a place of good, it is 
absolutely not helpful. And unfortunately, sometimes when we respond in that way, trying to fix things, it actually just kind of causes the other person to close up. Mm -hmm. Feel more alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one could understand me. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say this is the right way to respond or this is the wrong way to respond, because I think that communication is a two way street. Mm-hmm. people impact us as sufferers we have an impact on other people too mm-hmm. but it's just so important for I think all of us to remain open to each other and to try to create productive conversation that kind of calls people in and promotes understanding versus just bringing our own judgments and stigma stereotypes to conversations. absolutely there can never be enough empathy for sure <laughs> yeah I'm and now I've, I've almost lost my train of thought on number two. Oh, yes. I think uh, the biggest thing with OCD is that I want people to know that there is hope. If you mm-hmm. think you suffer from OCD, anxiety, any mental illness, there, there is hope. I know that I went through most of my life so depressed and so afraid of everything. And every time that I touch something that I cared about OCD just took it away from me mm. it, it latched onto that and it took it away and usually it ended up just blowing up in my face in a very spectacular kind of self-sabotaging manner and then I'd be left with ashes of something I cared about and just kind of sitting there going why is it that everything I touch I destroy mm-hmm. and that is a, a frustrating unique, depressing kind of feeling. And when I finally started treatment with my current doctor, I honestly, I was at the end of my rope. I had tried to commit suicide twice because of my mind being like this, this prison. And I was so doubtful that anyone could help me. I was like, well, what's this guy going to (laughs) do? Honestly, that anybody before him hasn't done. I don't even know why I'm trying this. Mm-hmm. but I committed to it and I did the work. And when I felt like I needed it, I kept coming back and eventually with time and persistence and a lot of patience on his part and a lot of hard work on my part and his, I got better and it's never too late to get help. You're never too old. You're, mm-hmm. you're never in, in a bad place where you can't get help. There's just, it's always a good time to get help for it. And there is hope. ERP is an amazing treatment. It's evidence-based. It works. It works for OCD sufferers and we can reclaim our lives. I feel like I am living proof of that. If I can get better, I feel like you can too. I love that. Oh my goodness. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever nodded so much uh, as in response. <laughs> I, you were just like on a, like everything you were saying. I was like, yes, yes. Just like completely <laughs> rooting you on there. Well, I, I'm, I mean, that warms my heart so much. Uh, I mean, the world is obviously a, a, a much better place with you in it. And I, I'm so glad that you're, Aww. thank you for sharing that. And, and, and that message holds true for anyone listening. You're never too old. Like, everything Alexandra just said, like, that's, it's spot on. So I won't even try to repeat it. Oh, thanks, Patrick. That's so sweet. Yes, absolutely. I mean that. So where can people find you on social media? 
yeah, they can find me on Instagram at Alexandra is obsessed. And uh, I try to update a few times a week. It's a fun community. I like to think of it as for everybody. It's not really for me. So mm -hmm. I post educational content, fun little reels. Sometimes they're jokes. Sometimes they're educational. We also do fun things and stories like silly polls or Q and A's. And if you have any questions about OCD specifically, I just want to put this out there that the International OCD Foundation at iocdf.org is an amazing resource. They have content from sufferers as well as researchers, professionals, therapists, including what OCD is and an amazing huge directory of specialists. So if you are wondering or looking for help, that's your resource right there. Love it. Yeah. I, I, it, it's great to know, point people right in the direction of, of, of help uh, if they feel they need it. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, this uh, conversation has been an absolute pleasure. One major takeaway for people might be to just rethink using OCD as an adjective. I mean, as a baseline, uh, you know, if you're reorganizing something, just you did it. You did something great. Show it off. And yes, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. When actually considering how disruptive OCD can be, I mean, it, it sounds awful. Like you, it's just like your own mind is forcing you into a ritual that you know about and you don't want to do. And yet you feel compelled to do it anyway. It's like some kind of mind control. You know, not to make light of it, but that, that's really what it sounds like. So, yeah, thank you so much for Alexandra for coming on and talking about OCD. I really enjoyed that conversation. Before I get to the weird thing that was causing me anxiety this week, I want to remind you of my other podcast called Death Space Filling the Void. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or deathspacepodcast.com. Also, the Buy Me a Coffee link in the description wherever you're listening. Through that, you can make a donation and that helps support me and support the show. You can also sign up for Instacart to get to get groceries delivered. I don't know why I struggled with the word groceries, but I did. And if you sign up through the link in the description, that tells them that this show sent you, which also helps support the show. Also, my software tutor has the promo code has the promo code pod twenty, and the Cardis Studio has a promo code of anxiety pod for ten percent off. Okay, the weird thing that caused anxiety this week. I mean, when you have back pain, like. Every little thing can be painful. And so the thing that was causing me anxiety was just like the thought of, of having to put my socks on. <laughs> because it just like you seize up, uh, you know, like when you bend down in a weird way. Or not even a weird way, you put on your socks. It's like the most common way of bending down. <laughs> yeah, putting shoes on, pants, underwear, like any, any sort of like getting ready thing, stepping into the shower. There have been some nights where just like even taking a step, it's been it's been bad. So yeah, just anticipating having to do anything. <laughs> Not to be dramatic, but that's sort of how uh, life has been for me right now. But it's okay. I found a chiropractor and he's going to help me out. Well, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. Have a great week and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Bye.